All right, welcome back to the Jim Leak Show. Uh, monthly, we have checked in with our next guest, but uh, this apparently is going to be the last time we do that, certainly with his uh, current title. I didn't really envision I'd be saying this, but joining us now is soon-to-be former state senator Andy Menar. Senator, welcome to the program. Great to have you here. Well, as always, Jim, thank you for having me. And, and a happy new year. And I got to admit, uh, I was blindsided. I think most people were when the news came down yesterday that you were resigning your seat in the General Assembly to join Governor J.B. Pritzker's administration. What prompted all this? Well, it's hard to it's hard to point to one thing. Um, certainly, I would tell you and the listeners and more importantly, my constituents, that there are uh, so many things that go into a decision like this. But um, we're nearing the end of a General Assembly, so this would be um, a good time for a transition if there ever was one. Uh, number two, um, I look forward to new opportunities and uh, serving in Governor Pritzker's administration, I think, um, is not just an opportunity for me, which isn't the guiding force, but will allow me to use my experience to help both his administration and ultimately the people of the state. And number three, Jim, I would tell you that um, I mean, you, you you know this, and the listeners that have gotten to know me and watched me over the years know that when I started this, my children were quite young, and uh, today Trista and I um, are proud parents of, of three, two of which are teenagers. And uh, while we say our family is always first, it, it is, but there's an asterisk next to that, and there's always a uh, additional weight being an elected official. And my family has never known a day otherwise. My wife and I met when I was the mayor of Bunker Hill, when I was the budget director for President Emil Jones years ago. When we were on our honeymoon, I was making calls to my colleagues on the Macoupin County Board to try to earn their vote. And I felt like I owed that to my family at the end of the day, um, especially since two of our children are now teens. So those are three things. There are others, but I, I would put those in the, the larger categories of things that brought me to this decision. You, uh, in your press release, put uh, out a, a long list of things that you cite as accomplishments as a state lawmaker. Do you really feel like you can continue to make that kind of a difference working as a, uh, a staffer, one of multiple staffers in service to the governor and his administration? Well, it'll be different, no doubt, but it's different by design. But here's what gives me the most confidence. It's the governor. It's the work that Governor Pritzker has done thus far, not just in his first year, which undoubtedly was incredibly successful, probably the, one of the most successful sessions in the history of the General Assembly. Nearly everything that was passed that first year, Jim, as you recall, was bipartisan. But certainly what the governor has done and the leadership that he's shown day in and day out throughout the course of this global pandemic that has wreaked havoc on not just our state budget, but just about every facet of our lives. Um, I know that the governor gets up every day and works as hard as he can for the people of the state. I've seen it behind the scenes. I've seen it obviously in person. And I look forward to joining that team and lending my experience and you know the things that I'm good at toward that effort, which ultimately is about helping the people of the state of Illinois. One of the big complaints that we hear over and over again about the governor's handling of the pandemic in particular is that a lot of this has happened unilaterally by executive order, by his mandates coming down through the Department of Public Health. A uh, number of Republican lawmakers have complained that he has not really consulted with, in their view, or uh, or, or sought the uh, approval and votes 
of the General Assembly on these measures? Because you come from the legislature, are you going to try to steer the governor toward that more collaborative, uh, cooperative sort of an arrangement with the General Assembly? Well, I have a, I have a respectful disagreement, Jim, with the premise um, that, that I've heard, of course, from my Rep- Republican colleagues in the Senate, who I have a great deal of respect for. But just look at what was done in May. Uh, there was any number of things that we put in place as a legislature with the governor's um, support uh, to uh, increase that collaboration with the legislative branch, uh, provide budget oversight. For example, I think we have a meeting coming up on this Friday, which is a continued effort uh, to see all things related to COVID relief. I mean, my colleague, Laura Murphy, uh, from the suburbs of Chicago, leads that effort for our caucus. And uh, that's going to continue. And look, you know, dealing with a, a, the rigors and the response to a daily pandemic that is taking lives each and every day of Illinoisans is not an easy task. There are no simple solutions placed before the governor or his administration at any point in time during this crisis. But I'm happy. I'm happy with what he has done thus far. Without a doubt, there's any number of challenges that are sizable, not just in our foreseeable future, but for the remainder of the fiscal year. But I also see a light at the end of the tunnel. And I know that the governor is fixated on rebuilding the state's economy and making sure that the vaccine gets to as many people as quickly as possible. And we are leading that effort in the country, second to none, Illinois, second to none. And that's because of the work of the governor's administration. So I'm happy to join that effort. And I'm happy, of course, always to be a collaborator. That's my reputation. And um, that's something that I'm proudly going to continue in the new role for the governor. State Senator Andy Menard joining us here just days before he'll be leaving the General Assembly and joining the Pritzker administration. And Senator, I'm going to ask you a pretty crass question here. I'm sure you're used to that from members of the media. How big a pay raise does this involve to move from the legislature to uh, upper level advisor to the governor? Well, it's a different role. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the, The pay for uh, legislators is statutory, um, not to rehash this, uh, but, you know, that didn't change this year. Um, there was a raise, a small raise last year for legislators, but it hadn't changed for many, many years prior. Um, so it is substantially higher, no question about it. That's all public information. Uh, but the governor's office and the budget of the governor's office lives within its budget. And uh, that's something that um, I have learned and I have seen, and I frankly held Um, agency budgets accountable in my role as the chair of the budget, uh, one of the two budget committees in the Senate. Uh, But the governor's office lives within its budget, and that salary that I'm going to be paid is going to be part of that. This will not require an increase of appropriations um, for the governor's office simply for filling what was a vacant position, Jim, um, with with my services starting on the 18th of January. The reason I ask, though, is because the governor has talked about the the huge budget hole that we're now facing with the failure of the graduated income tax amendment. He's even talked about potentially seeking unpaid furlough days from state workers, a lot of whom are listening this afternoon, and they're going to hear you now making six figures working for the governor while they might be asked to take unpaid days off here. Uh, and, and I think they might have a hard time reconciling that in their minds. Yeah, fair question. Um, First of all, those things have to be negotiated. And that's what, uh, rewind the clock to when the governor announced those potential cuts and uh, those potential reserves in the budget. I think the the total amount was about $700 million. Uh, The piece that affects state employees obviously has to be negotiated with labor representation, rightfully so. I don't 
you know, I don't speak for the governor, certainly. I'm still in the state Senate, but I can't imagine the governor would, would disagree with negotiating with state employees. Um, number two, I would reiterate, uh, the governor's office budget is not going to grow by filling this particular vacancy. And that's important. I think that hasn't always been the case past uh, with past administrations. Uh, but living within the means has been something that the governor started on in year one. If you remember, we had a successful first year where the budget was balanced, where we were on a very much corrected course, especially compared to the four previous years with the Rauner administration, which were disastrous, where there was no negotiation with state employees and their labor representation. So we have to get back on that path. And the governor has shown he's committed to it. And I know he is focused on doing that as we see the light at the end of the tunnel with COVID. We still have challenges. Don't get me wrong, Jim. Every day, um, even in the 48th district, we are dealing with dozens of constituent issues, even every day uh, today. So we still have work to do. Uh, but certainly living within our means has been something that the governor has always upheld. Do you have any thoughts or are you making any suggestions on who should replace you in the 48th district? You know, what I've told the chairs, uh, which I have the utmost confidence, and I actually just had a, another very long conversation with my dear friend Doris Turner, um, who, who is just, um, you know, one, one of my closest allies and has been for the past eight years, that I have all the confidence in the ability of the party chairs in the six counties of the 48th district to choose who could be the best person to represent not just our party, in the election, but represent the 48th district in the state Senate. And what is here's what's important to me, Jim, that that person build consensus. That person has to be a consensus builder because that's what the district requires. Um, is Doris Turner potentially a, a, a up for consideration for this? Well, that would, well, I was speaking to her because she's a chair. Sure. You know, she's the party chair of Sangamon County, but you know, that would be a question that you would have to have to ask her ultimately. Um, I've talked to multiple people um, who who I have good relationships with and have encouraged them that if they're interested, that they should get on the phone, they should call the six party chairs, and they should start that process and present their credentials uh, to that group and um, make their case as to why they can do the best job to be um, the member of the state Senate that has the privilege of representing a diverse Senate district in downstate Illinois. Senator, what do you see as your biggest accomplishment in your eight years in the legislature, and what do you see as the biggest piece of unfinished business? Well, I, I tell you, it, it's easy to pivot to school funding reform. I shouldn't say it's easy, but that's the natural reaction to your question, Jim. But that wasn't me. Um, singularly, that was thousands of people locking arms from all walks of life, demanding change from their government. That's how we got that done. That was a generational change, and it's going to pay dividends for uh, kids in underserved communities, small towns, urban neighborhoods alike for years to come. But but honestly, I think the, the biggest thing is accountability. I'm proud of, of that. Accountability is something that's very important. And that means elected officials have to go to places sometimes when they're, where they're not welcome or where they're uncomfortable. So having town halls, public forums, you know, meeting with, uh, with groups that aren't always allied with you, um, that's part of being accountable, and that's something that I upheld each and every day over the last eight years. Unfinished business, I would tell you, we have to address the affordability of prescription medication. As you know, I had about a dozen bills for that last year when COVID hit, 
And that, that's, a, that's a thing that touches every family uh, that, that I have the privilege of representing in the 48th District. And that's something that we have to find solutions on. That's going to take people, again, locking arms from all walks of life and demanding change from their government in order to get that done. Senator, we've got uh, the lame duck session coming up uh, starting on Friday. Uh, what are you expecting of it? And will we, as Republicans said yesterday, uh, see a last-minute attempt to ram through an income tax increase in the waning days of this legislative session? Well, the answer to that question is no. And and honestly, not to get partisan on you this afternoon, Jim, but if the Republicans aren't um, uh, saying something to make people fearful today, they aren't talking. I mean, that's that's all that we hear today from the Republican Party. Um, what would have been nice is a press conference with their solutions. I mean, get a whiteboard, go to the Blue Room in the Capitol or on Zoom and start writing on a whiteboard what your solutions are to the problems that we face in the state. Um, here's what I think we're going to do in veto session. We're going to take up work the Black Caucus has done uh, that is meaningful work that has happened over the course of many months in the Senate. We have met remotely. That was a good move by President Harmon months ago to propose that. I think it's worked out well, and I think it's positioned us well to have a meaningful debate about important issues like criminal justice reform and police reform, um, about equity in uh, the economic situation in our state that touches everybody. And those, those are meaningful conversations, and we are positioned well to have that uh, during uh, the session days coming up starting later this week. Senator, uh, this uh, may very well be our last time talking to you as a member of the General Assembly, but once you have that fancy senior advisor title, can we still get you to come back sometime and talk about issues of importance to downstate? You know, of course, Jim, I, I've told people, uh, you know, this is not easy. Um, this was not an easy decision, and it was a privilege to serve for eight years. Uh, despite the ups and downs of the job, it truly was. But the answer to your question is, of course, um, I'm not going anywhere, and um you know, I've had a lot of questions. Am I moving? The answer is no, I'm not moving. I've lived in the same place my whole life, a little town in southern Macoupin County, and I'm going to I'm going to be there. That's where my roots are. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the new opportunity and I'm looking forward to not just serving uh, the governor and the capacity as senior advisor, but ultimately serving the people of the state, which is what the governor's focus is. Soon to be former state senator Andy Menar, thanks as always for your time. We appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you again, hopefully in the near future. You bet. Thank you, Jim.